I have a great uh, mother who completely supports me. Uh, she prays for me and she believes that I can do no wrong. And she's right, of course, about that. <laughs> I have a mother-in-law who tells me that the message I just happened to preach that particular day is the best one that she's ever heard, even better than Chris's. <laughs> even if I completely bombed. And uh, I'm married to a woman who my children declare is the best mother of all time, beating out the likes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I have four daughters who I quietly observe and admire in their mothering skills and how they're growing in their mothering. Chris recently preached uh, a couple of amazing parenting messages, so I'm continuing with the intro series on spiritual gifts. However... If you as a mother or father are concerned about the advancement of God's kingdom, then you need to recognize that spirit-filled parenting is not optional. It's essential. You can't do it otherwise. Anyone with natural ability, any natural, or any parent with natural ability, natural skills, talents, can raise decent children. You can have a decent marriage, you can have decent children growing up if you use certain natural skills and things. We preach about those kinds of things. Very important, the natural and the spiritual together. But if you want to raise godly kids, kids who are kingdom advancing children, who are godly kingdom advancing children who can push back the powers of darkness, then you need something more than just the natural gifts and skills that you can get in any seminar. You can lead a pretty decent church with natural abilities and skills. No question about it. But if you want to lead a church that's going to push back powers of darkness and advance the kingdom of God, then you need spiritual gifts. There's no other way around it. If you're with the natural abilities and talents that God has given you, you can lead a real decent business or have a real decent career. No problem. But if you want to lead a kingdom advancing career or business, then you must have spiritual gifts. They are not optional for that kind of a goal. And that's what we've been talking about in the, in the series. So if you want to raise good kids with natural skill, uh, with, uh, that, that push back the powers of darkness, then you need spiritual gifts. Before Samson was born, for example, the angel of the Lord visited his mother and father, and he informed them that Samson was destined by God to lead and deliver Israel from her enemies, the the Philistines. The angel of the Lord gave them instructions on how to raise such a boy, and it is at this point that natural parenting skills and spiritual gifts intersect. A word of knowledge A word of wisdom and a word of prophecy were given on that occasion just as they were given to Jesus' parents and they were given to John the Baptist's parents. They all received a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, and a a word of prophecy. Essential for parenting and being a mother as well if you want to raise godly kids who advance kingdom. These are the gifts of prophecy I wish to address today. Paul considered the gifts of prophecy to be invaluable, and you'll soon see why. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. I like that word utterance because it connotates a word given from God. It's not just something out of his natural mind, but it's an utterance that God gives and is spoken through an individual. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, and to another prophecy. Now we're going to pray right now. And what I'd like you to do, if many of you are, are going to be thinking, because of the kind of society we live in, we're all about the natural. We're not about the supernatural at all. And so there's this resistance to what God's Word teaches, even amongst God's people. And there's a resistance to what God's Word says about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit. Because we've so bought into the lies of our culture that says the natural and what you see, that's all there is to it. But you and I know there's more to it. And if we're going to live at kingdom level, then we're going to have to move and, and link the natural with the supernatural. The natural with the spiritual. Amen? Now, amen? <laughs> I, I was just going, whoa, am I by myself? But I'm not. You're with me. I know you are. You're listening intently. 
So this is what I want to do. Most of us, or many of us, <clears throat> don't really have a deep desire for the things of the Spirit. If we admit it to ourselves. But you know what's a beautiful thing? In Philippians chapter 3, this is, you know, we were singing about God, how good He is. You know, your goodness lasts forever, uh, forever. You are good. You are good. Oh, my, when I was singing in the, in the first service this morning, I was just weeping about it. I just couldn't believe how good God is. And one of the ways that He's good is, not only does He give us the ability for these things, He gives us the desire if we want it. So what we have to ask sometimes, like if you're a person who doesn't pray and you, will, you wish you had the desire to pray because then it's easier to pray, then you need to pray that God gives you a desire to desire the prayer. Do you see what I mean? And same thing with these spiritual gifts. You need to ask God to give you a desire to desire the spiritual gifts, a hunger for them, because it's only once you have the hunger that you'll actually be ready to receive them. And that you'll operate and that you'll do something with it and not just put the gift aside. So that's what we're going to pray right now. And if you have a desire to desire, and that's, that first desire is a willful one that you have to make, then he'll place that in you. He says in Philippians 2, gives us the desire and ability to do God's will. And God's will is found in his word. <clears throat> if you have that desire, would you just put your hands out on your lap then? Open them up like this, and I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, we confess that we don't always desire the things that you desire for us. We're human, but we thank you that you are good. Oh, I'd love to sing that song again. You are good. Your mercy lasts forever. And you are so good that not only do you give us the ability to do your will, you even give us the desire if we allow you to give it, if we ask for it. And so this morning, on behalf of the congregation here, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you by your Spirit to give and instill in us a desire for the gifts of the Spirit. You told us in, in 1 Corinthians 12 not to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. So we ask you for that desire. And we trust that you'll do, do just that. And in Jesus' name, I come against the spirits of, of slumber, of confusion and unbelief. And I declare that your assignments are null and void against God's people here this morning. I bind you and I tell you to leave in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and give us what God has for us this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. Let's start, start by talking about understanding the gifts of prophecy. Scripture provides general guidelines for our lives in many areas, including relationships, relating to God, marriage, family, attitudes, work, and ministry. We talk about all these things in our various series. No question about it. Prophecy supernaturally supplies specific details to those general principles. Scripture tells us, for example, how to work, but it doesn't tell us where to work or what kind of work we should have. The Bible tells us, uh, in another example, tells us what God's general vision for all churches is, but doesn't give us specific strategies for a specific church in a particular region. So, for example, the strategies of an urban church in North America are going to be considerably different from the strategies of an underground church in communist China. Amen? You're just not getting, the strategies will not be the same. Or in Uganda, in the, with the church, the fast-growing church movement that's spreading through the, the bush, as Alex Mitala uh, would say, right? Through the bush. We need both the general principles and guidance of God's Word and the specific guidance or prophecy of the Holy Spirit for specific situations. Generally speaking, prophecy can be broken into three components, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. The first component, and these components can stand alone or they can work in conjunction with prophecy. And the first one is word of knowledge. It is rhema, word from God, in the form of a word or a thought or picture. You recognize those, that phrase that we use quite often for listening prayer, right? It is the supernatural revelation of facts past, present, or future 
that were not learned through the efforts of the natural mind. Paul said in Corinthians, to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of knowledge. Irvin Funk uh, kindly uh, gave me permission to tell this little story just to get us at a base level of introducing this concept of a word of knowledge. And uh, in 2008, he had lost his glasses, and he, he couldn't find them. He was looking for them for a couple of days, couldn't find them. And 48 hours later, his daughter Kristen came to bring him his glasses. She had found them, and he, Irv, Irv asked her, how did you find them? And Kristen said, well, listening prayer. So Irvin mocked her, and uh, he said, so God said, this is where they are? What did God say? And he's mocking her. And Kristen giggled, and she said, well, actually, he gave me a picture of your big fat bum sticking out from behind the TV. <laughs> and two days earlier, Irv had been behind the TV, hooking up the DVD, and had left his glasses there behind the television. <laughs> now, how many, you know, isn't it true, many of you have experienced the same thing? You've lost something, you say, oh, God, especially if you're over 50, you do this regularly, right? Every, pretty much every week. You, you lose something, you have no idea where you're going. You say, Holy Spirit, would you help me find it? Somebody was telling me about it just in the lobby a few minutes ago. <coughs> How they found something uh, where they asked the Holy Spirit, and he just gave them knowledge about it. It's a word of knowledge. Now, that's at an intro level, okay? But the fact that you experience that kind of stuff helps you then to move to the next level of what God wants us to use this gift for. Because he uses it for more than just finding stuff we've lost and misplaced. In Acts chapter 5, we see how it was used in a church. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and they sold a piece of property and pretended to give all the proceeds to the apostles for distribution to the poor. Excuse me. And that pneumonia stuff there, so don't worry about that. But they secretly kept some of the proceeds back. So they sold it for so much and then and kept some back, but pretended like they had given everything to the church to be given to the poor. Listen how Peter responds to Ananias when he tells him this lie. Now, Peter doesn't know in the natural that it's a lie. How would he know? But he says this, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. Later, uh, uh, Ananias' wife, Sapphira, walks in. She, She came late for the meeting and she walks in and she continues the pretense. And Peter looks at her and says to Sapphira, he said, The feet of those who carried out your husband are waiting at the back and they will now come and carry you out. And they, she fell dead right in front of everybody in the church. And what a miracle, amen? We talk about raising the dead and Peter was killing them <laughs> in a miraculous fashion. And they carried her out and buried her next to her husband. And you know what it says next? The next phrase in, in verse 5 says, And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. I think great fear would seize us too if we saw that, Amen. I think we'd be more careful about our lies. But how did Peter know about this? I mean, how how did he know? It was a gift or a word of knowledge that was given that instant by the Holy Spirit. Another time, Peter was praying when the Holy Spirit told him three men were at the door. I mean, you can go through Scripture, and it's all over the place. In fact, I challenge you, when you're reading Scripture this week, be looking out for how many times God's people got words of knowledge from him. I think it's a great thing because Isaiah chapter 55 says that his thoughts are what? Higher than our thoughts. You and I, we we can't see hardly past our nose. We don't understand a lot of what's going around. We don't even understand ourselves. And God, who knows everything, loves us so much that he's willing to give us a gift of knowledge to help us in situations no different than a parent would do with their child. Amen? Amen? Uh, a parent knows a lot more about uh, what their child is going and gives them a piece of information and advice and wisdom and all that kind of stuff. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. It's amazing. It really is amazing. 
God often, here, I, I want to help you understand how you receive that too. How many of you as parents have sometimes known, you've used the word, because you get it from culture, intuitively, that your child did something, perhaps wrong, and you weren't there. And God told you. You don't know how you know it, you just knew. One of our children uh, who, who had gone through a rebellious period, years later said to us, how did you always know what was going on? I was doing my, my best to hide it. How did you know? And we said, he, he just tells us. He tells us things. Why? Because, because what I said before, if you want to raise godly kids who will adva- eventually advance kingdom, push back the powers of darkness, then you need supernatural gifts. You need spiritual gifts to help enhance that parenting in the natural. Does that make sense? Just say yes. yes. I credit it to you. Very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you an example of how it works here at Southland because it works a lot, uh, a lot and I, I'll take something from a little further back, so uh, not something uh, too terribly recent here. Uh, when I started, I started in 1996, and <clears throat> and uh, just a couple of months after I started, I was I was uh, having a discussion with one of the one of the elders, and we were just discussing a change that maybe we're going to make in the church at that time. I have no idea what it. Uh, I don't remember. I didn't journal that that particular part. At all, so I don't remember, and it doesn't matter. It was very, very small, but at, but it was big for the church, and and I remember him asking me what I thought about the idea, and I said, "Well, the idea is good, but it's not going to work." And then I, and then I went a step further, and I said, "In fact, no changes here at Southland are going to work." And I couldn't believe what I had just said. I had just started, and he said, "You know, it sounded like a pretty." negative word, though I wasn't angry or upset. I mean, we were getting along just, just fine. And, uh, and he said, why don't you think anything's going to work? Why aren't we going to be able to make any changes? And I said, I can tell you why we're not going to be able to make changes. It's because of the way we're structured. I'd never thought about this. You have to understand, I'd never thought about this. And he said, well, what is it about the structure uh, that, that you don't think uh, works? And immediately I took out a piece of paper and I knew exactly what I was supposed to draw right instantaneously, and I drew this diagram. I'm sorry, it's a little, it's the wrong colors, so the contrast isn't good. But there's five decision-making bodies that we had in the church. The congregation was making a lot of decisions. We had lots of meetings. We had ministry heads. Then we had council, elders, and trustees. That's how we were, that's how we were organized formally. Now think of this. Five decision-making bodies for 150 people. That is a recipe for disaster. And I said, we are structured for division. It has nothing to do with good people and bad people. We are structured for division. We've set ourselves up for failure. Now, many churches are, are, are organized that way. And in the natural realm, it doesn't actually work. I said, does it work in, the, in a business to have five decision-making bodies? And I was asking a rhetorical question for him and for me. And he said, no, it certainly doesn't work in a business. I said, then what makes us think? Because it's people in a business, people in, a, in any organization. We're using natural laws that God has instilled for how people organize and can and lead. Those aren't man-made laws. Those are natural laws made by God. Then what makes us think if it doesn't work there when you organize, that it's going to work over here? And... Uh, he and I both were going, you know, I just never thought of this before. It, it, it was, I know it was a word of knowledge that came. So he said, what, what, are you, what are you thinking that we should do? Well, I had never thought about it. And I said, well, I, I mean, we were just having a conversation. I said, well, I guess we should get re- eliminate one of, at least one of those decision-making bodies. So he said, which one do you think it should be? And I said, well, I don't know. He's an elder, so I figured better not take that one out. <laughs> That was safe. So I picked trustees. And uh, they're looking after the physical part of the, you know, the building and money and all that kind of stuff. Which itself caused enough trouble because what is money, spiritual or physical? You know, that whole thing. But anyway, I said trustees should go. And uh, so he thought that was a good idea, being an elder. And we took it to the, we took it to the elders and they agreed. It was unanimous. And, uh, and, and I was praying about it, and I realized the Holy Spirit said, you need to change the structure or you're never going to be able to grow a church here. And you've got to do it now. You've got to do it in the early stages. Easier now than later. 
And I said, oh, God, I wasn't expecting to have to get involved in something this difficult right off the, off the bat. So anyway, we went uh, and uh, we had a leadership retreat at the, in, in Winnipeg with the trustees and the elders there. And this idea was presented to the, uh, to, to the whole group. Trustees had never heard, of, uh, heard this before. And at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the presentation, uh, we were all sitting there. It was very quiet. You could have heard a pin drop. And one of the trustees, I think it was Dave Stoby, uh, was the first one who got up, and I thought, what is going to happen now? And he said, I've listened to the presentation. This makes a lot of sense to me. And effective immediately, I resign. We were stunned. And he was happy. The second one got up and did the same. The third and the fourth, there were four of them. They all did it. And they all, by the way, remained in the church after that. Then we went to the congregation, who was a big decision-making body, and we had lots of those congregational meetings, and we said, the trustees, they all quit. (laughs) And we're suggesting we just don't have any more trustees. Well, then the trustees, they got up themselves and spoke to the issue and and demonstrated... Talk about humility, amen? Is that unbelievable? Have you ever heard such a thing in a church? People give up power? It's incredible. And they, they did. That's humility. Uh, for the good. They, uh, they understood what the Spirit of God was say, saying to the churches. And so, uh, right there, uh, the church voted and said, yeah, let's, let's go down to four decision-making bodies. And we said, well, here's a constitution that describes... That kind of relationship between four decision-making bodies, because there's not five now, and it's, it's different when there's five. And so they voted in a brand-new constitution, and the vote, voting results were 100%. See what happens? It, it's just absolutely remarkable what happens when the Holy Spirit gets involved in this. The, the biggest decisions at Southland have all started with a word of knowledge, and I could tell you dozens and dozens of, dozens of stories, knowing something supernaturally that I or one of the leaders didn't know themselves. This gift can stand alone on its, uh, stand alone on its own, apart from the gift of prophecy. For example, it's invaluable <coughs> for assisting people with the gift of teaching. Uh, one of the things that I teach at the Empower, and the Empower is about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit and that kind of thing, but we don't just talk about it there, we actually get into training and practice. And uh, one of the things I was teaching on was word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and prophecy in one of the sessions. So <clears throat> last summer, Fran and I were walking, uh, walking along English Bay in Vancouver there, and uh, going for a walk, and we're discussing ministry things and things related to God all the time, or family. And, uh, and she said, she always looks at me and she says, I, don't, I just don't get what you're teaching in that session. So that bugged me. I mean, that irritated me. It frustrated me. I said, if my wife doesn't get it, it means nobody else is getting it either. And the reason I was really frustrated was because I didn't understand what I was saying either. <laughs> that's a problem. Trust me, that's a problem when the teacher doesn't understand himself. And... Uh, and uh, I said, Lord, I, I, I can see that they're related. I knew how to do them separately, but I didn't know how to relate them to each other. And I sensed there was a relationship. And suddenly it became crystal clear, and that's become the premise of what I now teach in Empower, or what, what uh, the, has developed for this particular message, as you'll see. So it, as an essential first component of prophecy, it may have a past or present or future aspect to it. And in setting someone free from a stronghold, for example, in setting someone free from a stronghold or bondage in their life, it has a past aspect to it. For example, uh, uh, one of our ministers uh, may be uh, ministering to somebody who has got a stronghold, a a bondage of addiction of some kind. We've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these. And, uh, and, and for some reason, you can't, you can't break the thing. And so the minister asks the Holy Spirit to go back and show if there's some kind of root, there's something they need to know about that person's past. And suddenly a word of knowledge comes out of nowhere. And they know something that is critical to helping that person at that moment. That is a word of knowledge. You, didn't get that, you, you don't get that in your natural mind. You cannot train for that in the natural 
And then you can use that word of knowledge to help break that particular issue. And we've seen it work with many, many people here at Southland. Okay? So there's a past aspect of it. Or it may have a future aspect, predicting something uh, not yet a fact. Um, there can, and over the last 14 years, for example, the Holy Spirit has frequently given me, as I've asked him when we're planning as elders and with staff, when we're, when we're planning, I've said, God, where are we going? What's going to happen with this church over the next year or two or three or whatever it is because we're trying to plan and we can't figure out is the thing leveling out or is it going to grow and what kind of numbers how should we plan for that and then the holy spirit will actually give a word of knowledge and insight into the thing and we plan accordingly and it works it's amazing it's absolutely amazing it's one of the reasons why we bought another 10 acres why we're going to build a 2500 seat auditorium and that kind of stuff but i'll tell you about that more in a couple of weeks so it allows us to do that. There can be no word of prophecy without having a word of knowledge first. Now, where, what to do once you receive a word of knowledge, whether you're in business or career, or whether it's a, a parent or in ministry, is another matter. That's where the second component, the word of wisdom, comes in. And so let's look at it. Paul said, to refresh our memories, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of what? Wisdom. That's right. The gift. This gift, like the word of knowledge, can also stand alone. For example, when you're handling relational disputes in, in, at, at work or whether it's at, at home or whether it's in the church. And here at church, we're, we're a big church, but you imagine you have some relational difficulties, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your, with your children or your siblings or, or you know, your, your, your parents or whatever. You're having relational issues. You can ask God for a word of wisdom that will help break through and deal with that situation because each situation is different. There is no, there is no size fits, fits all in relational disputes. And particularly in a big church with thousands of people. Amen? So we do that all the time. Uh, elders sometimes will listen together in prayer and receive a word of wisdom. Or the, the senior management staff will do that all that. Uh, all the time. We're doing that every week. All the time. And then they'll do it within their individual mi- ministries. Always looking for a word of wisdom on how to deal with some of those, uh, those issues and those problems. So, in the context of the gift of prophecy, it is the second essential component. The supernatural word of wisdom tells you what to do with the word of knowledge that you just received its application, in other words. Does that make sense, church? Does that, does that make sense? Say yes, even if it doesn't. Yeah, see? Just because God reveals something to you doesn't mean he wants you to share it. Uh, Should the word of knowledge be held for further prayer is a question. Or should it be spoken out prophetically? Is it simply a warning required in a situation? The possibilities are endless. And in Daniel 7, we see Daniel received a word of knowledge, a vision. In the form of a vision. It can come in many ways, but his was in a form of vision. And it's found in Daniel 7. And it says, I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts. He was terrified by what God showed him, revealed him. And my face was pale with fear, but I, what did he say he did with it? I kept these things to myself. You have to ask God what he wants you to do with the word of knowledge. Learn to wait for full revelation or permission before speaking it. I, I want to show you how it worked in continuing a story on the church constitution, okay? So I told you a story and a word of knowledge and the impact that it had on the church. Now, I want to show you how a word of wisdom helped as well. Uh, because one year later, I was in prayer, I was listening in prayer, and, uh, and I was talking to God about a number of things and issues at Southland. And all at once, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to change the Constitution one more time. I want a brand new one. And move from four decision-making bodies down to three. And I said, oh God, you're setting me up to get canned. I, I, I'm going to lose my job. Uh, they'll never accept that. I mean, we just got through one constitution. Constitutions are holy in a church. Did you know that? In some churches, they're very holy. And now we're going to have to change everything. And um, anyway, the Holy Spirit sp- spoke to me about a couple of things, and I'll show you in just a minute what, 
what it was. I went to the elders and I presented the idea to the elders and they said, oh, Ray. They said they objected with the same objection I had. We're on the same plane. We're all humans. And we said, and they said, it's not, this isn't going to work. This is bad. This, this is just not how you do it. And I said, I know, I know, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. I said, I objected too. But I think the Holy Spirit gave us a piece of wisdom. By the way, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to show you how I talk with the elders, how I talk with the staff. I don't go, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I never go to them and say, thus saith the Lord. Uh, then I'll soon find out who's Lord. <laughs> Amen. I, I never say that. I never say, God told me to tell you. I never say those kinds of things. I'll say, I, I, I sense that this is what God may be saying. And then we discern it together. Amen. Because we're not infallible in these things. And so I, I said, this is what I think. So anyway, this is what we did then. I'll give you the answer in showing how it worked in the church. Because uh, we went to the congregation then. And we said, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are amazing. Because of the decision you made one year ago, notice how we've grown spiritually, numerically, financially, and in unity. Would you agree? And we gave them all the stats, gave them all the... They said, yeah, that's amazing. And we said, because you followed a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit gave, this is the result of your obedience has been this. Now, we think, we sense that the Holy Spirit is saying, we need to do it one more time and reduce from four decision-making bodies to three decision-making bodies. And, um, but this is how we're going to do it. We, we don't... We're not going to, uh, we're not asking for a new constitution. We're going to keep the one we have. We're asking for permission to work for one year from this date to this date as a trial period outside the parameters of the constitution and within the following guidelines. And we will follow these guidelines. And we want to try it for one year. Would you let us do, do that? On that date, we had an actual date. We're coming back to you. It was in the motion. Where we would be coming back to you. And it will automatically revert right back, automatically, without a vote. Unless you vote to say you may continue that way. Huh, they thought, we got no constitution to lose. We, what have we got to lose? It's just trial period, short period of time. Let's, let's try it for one year. So one year later, we went to them on the specified date, and we said, well, what do you think? The church had grown spiritually. The church had grown numerically, financially, in unity, harmony. It was amazing. And uh, so they said, yeah, it worked. this last year worked just fine. Most of them had forgotten that we'd even changed anything. And so uh, we said, well... Are you happy with the way we work? Yes. Well, would you mind if we just continue what we've been doing for a year now? No, that would be okay. Well, then we said, well, would you mind then if we brought in a constitution that just described the way we're acting now and relating to each other? They said, well, that makes a lot of sense. So they voted, and guess what the vote was? 100%. That's what happens when there's a word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And in the natural, we wouldn't have even gone in this. Other times in the natural, we would run ahead of God and God would say, hold it. But when he, is, when he gives us those things, it's amazing what can happen. And these things can be applied in our, in our families and in every, uh, every particular area, right? These words can come from the Spirit either directly to you or as a word, thought, or picture, as a word, thought, or picture, or indirectly through someone else. Now... Um, and the results is that we've now been able to make decisions very, very quickly here at Southland, and, and we just move very, very quickly. Decisions of that type of magnitude that would take many churches, one, two, three, maybe years, or maybe never, are routinely made now at the staff level every week. That's just, that's just how we operate. These are powerful gifts. Remember what I said about how powerful these gifts are to build up the church and push back the powers of darkness. In a five-year span, Southland uh, had had two very divisive periods before that. And in the past 14 years, Southland has had no conflict, though we've tackled the most potentially divisive issues, role of women in ministry, Holy Spirit, uh, spiritual gifts, and two new constitutions, left a denomination, I could go on and on, and all with unity. We never had a vote over any of those issues that was less than 96%. 
And most of them were 100%. Is that amazing, church? It's the gifts of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working. In 2004, uh, the Holy Spirit instructed me to introduce the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts to Southland. What this series, the concept of this series, is not new to Southland. If you've come in the last two years or something, it may be new to you. But in 2004, shortly after we moved into phase one here, the Holy Spirit told me to bring, introduce the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts here. And we went to the elders. We discerned together. We prayed together. We listened. And the Holy Spirit said, do it. I had a seven-page positional paper on it. And we voted on it. It was unanimous. And, and the staff was completely united on it. And by the way, everything that I'm teaching here in this series, everything, the elders completely agree, completely, and so do the staff. Completely. And that's neat. That's unity. That's harmony. So this is new, but, and I won't tell you the story about how we brought that in, but what's, what's interesting is what the Holy Spirit then told me. Because he said, don't use words like prophecy and words of knowledge and words of uh, wisdom. Don't, don't go there. Don't use it. Just call it listening prayer. Now, listening prayer is a phrase that's really innocuous and has become a key phrase here at Southland. Would you agree with me? I mean, that's what we do here at Southland. If people say, what's the, you know, what's the key thing that you do at Southland? We listen in prayer. Everybody says that. It's an innocuous thing. How many of you have heard that phrase? Yeah, we, we always talk about how many of you do listen in prayer. See? Just about as many hands. There's nothing to it. But now what you're discovering is the listening prayer is nothing more than words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and prophecy. (laughs) Isn't God good? We were singing, He is good. He is good. His mercy. What a good shepherd He is. He takes us from where we are and He gently leads us along. He knows what we can take and gently, He doesn't drive us. Amen? And now we get to this point, and here's another word. One of the things we always said in listening prayer, three things you get. What are they? What's the first one? Word or picture. Isn't picture a nice word? Anybody can have a picture. Amen? We all believe that. And then we found out one day that in Scripture, they call that what? Visions. So Holy Spirit said to me, don't call it visions. Because that will get everybody spooked and scared and skittish. Call them pictures. So we just get word, thoughts, or pictures. People say, do you ever get visions? No, not in our church. And then they tell you a movie picture they got. Those are pictures. We just get pictures at Southland. We're not into visions. <laughs> and, one, and the reason, now the Holy Spirit says it's time to come out of the spiritual closet, amen, and call it what it is. And the reason is that when you're re- reading the scriptures, you can understand what it's saying. And you say, ha, huh, gift of the gift, uh, 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 Joel said, I'll pour up my spirit on all flesh, and they will dream dreams and dream, have visions. Ha, huh, that's me. Pictures. And you write in there, you cross it out. No visions. No, no visions. We have pictures. And then you just write Ray under there. Ray said. God is so good. He's amazing. What a... Aren't you get glad he's leading here at Southland and not me? You were too enthusiastic with that response. No, not actually. You could never be enthusiastic enough about that because that's exactly the way it is. It's very practical uh, for people who want to advance the kingdom. Our, uh, and I said already, our, our teams do that. People often ask me why Southland is growing so much, and I answer prayer. And then I usually add, I did to a marketplace leader who met me uh, coming out of a store the other day, bumped into me and said, and the guy's from, an, uh, doesn't come to Southland here, and he said, why is your church growing so much? And I said, well, prayer. And he said, prayer? 
I said, well, if you really want to know if you've got time, I could explain listening prayer. But if you really want to get down and describe it, it's words of knowledge and words of, of wisdom that we're receiving from him. And these spiritual gifts, that's what's happening. We can't do it apart from that. Amen? Yeah. And if, we, and if you want to get even more accurate, that's how we describe it. These are incredibly powerful gifts, and you may have them and use them for the kingdom in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your career, and in your ministries. Indispensable. Okay, component number three, the word of prophecy. Same spirit gives the ability to prophesy. The word of prophecy prophecy logically follows words of knowledge and wisdom. It is simply communicating what has already been received, what we just talked about. Prophecy is often thought of as predicting future events, and sometimes it is. And and, uh, there's a woman who prophesied over Fran many years ago in 2004 in Toronto, a, a Malaysian... Uh, who is related to the Malaysian prayer partners, and they sent me, uh, they sent me a word, and they, they almost never do this, and they sent me a word, we really feel strongly that the Holy Spirit wants you to meet with a Grace Chin over in Toronto when you're over there. So we did, and we met with her, and she, uh, she came into our hotel uh, room where we were staying, and she prophesied over us, and she said a lot of things that have now happened, about 95. 95% of those things, we've got two lists of things, have already happened. But one of the things she prophesied about Fran was that she was going to be prophetic. Well, Fran never got dreams, never got visions, never... No, this wasn't going to happen. Uh, not Fran. Now Fran is one of the most prophetic people I know. And uh, just last night, um, and uh, uh, I was, I was going to leave for the 5 o'clock service. Uh, I'd just gone home. Uh, to try to get a little rest because I'm fighting the pneumonia. And, and I was just feeling lousy. It had been a long day, and now there's two messages. And I said, man, I just don't feel anything inside right now. I, just, I, I feel so tired. And Holy Spirit said, go up and ask Fran to lay her hands on you and prophesy over you. So I did. I went upstairs and I said, honey, would you mind uh, just laying your hands on and speaking into me whatever the Holy Spirit she, uh, says we do this all the time to each other and she said yeah absolutely no problem and uh, she sat up I sat down beside her she put her hands on me and within I mean just a very short time the presence of God just came on me so powerfully and he started to speak to me in words and in pictures and he was so good to me and he said I'm going to make you strong for tonight I'm going to lift it off and, you, and, and you're not going to feel the pneumonia t- till you're done and then it's going to come down again and then she started to prophesy things over me. I was just sitting there and crying. And, and then I finally I got up. She just spoke into me the things that, she, pictures and words that she was getting. And when she was done, I was so amazingly ready. And I just headed off to church. And uh, it was an exciting evening. Uh, that's what happens. And Grace Chin prophesied into her. But the gift of prophecy is being used, is off, and it's used, like I just demonstrated, for dealing with the present situations, not just future. The meaning of the word is to speak forth or to speak for another. It is God speaking through people with this gift. Paul calls this the greatest gift, as we saw even last, last week uh, in 1 Corinthians 14.1. He said, desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of what? Prophecy. Especially the gift of prophecy. Uh, because it has tremendous impact. Preaching can be prophetic if it is a word f- from God from, for that occasion. People sometimes come to us in the hallways, the different teachers that speak here, and, and people come up to them and say, I could swear that, this, that you were talking right at me today. Well, where did that come from? We didn't know. It's just a word that the Holy Spirit just speaks through us. Now, here's four different ways in which the words of prophecies can be used. It convicts people, causing people to repent from sin. John 16 says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. God told Jonah, I want you to go and preach to the Ninevites that they need to repent. And 40 days from now, they're going to be destroyed. And uh, Jonah was happy about it because those were his enemies. So he was hoping that they were going to die. So he goes and he prophesies, but the words that he prophesied were God's words, not his own thinking, not his own thoughts. They were God, God's words working through his personality. He spoke them out, 
And they quickened the hearts of these wicked Ninevites so much that instead of just ignoring it, they, they turned in, uh, to sackcloth and ashes and they repented of their sins and God withdrew his judgment, which didn't make Job, uh, Jonah very happy. Secondly, it builds people up. In 1 Corinthians 14.3, who prophesies, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. I was walking with Stefan the one day. We were getting very close to home and uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And we were about a block away from home. And we were talking about things of God and just having a wonderful, uh, you know, father-son, friend kind of uh, conversation. And as a, as a young, uh, you know, right from birth, right from when he was young, he was built strong. And, and he was a scrapper and fighter. And he loved fighting. And then when he got in his teenage uh, years and he went off track there for a little bit, he became a, a street fighter. And he was scrapping and doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And he, years later, he felt so ashamed about it when he became a believer. And, and he was so ashamed of, you know, that he had been a fighter and stuff. And he just, wanted to, he, he just wanted to put away that whole thing. And the two of us were talking. We weren't even talking about this. And suddenly, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit just had a word for me. I just knew it instantaneously that it was a word for Stefan. And I spoke it to him. And I said, Stefan, God made you a fighter from birth when you were knit together in your mother's womb. He's always wanted you to be a fighter. You are a fighter because he made you to be a fighter. He never wants you to quit being a fighter. He just now wants you to train your fighting abilities from the enemies you used to have to a different enemy. And he wants you to use those fighting abilities. Well, man, it got me. I was just choked up and moved. I said, that didn't come from me. That and it, it hit him so powerfully. That's what a word of prophecy can do. And it informs people, as we already saw. It gives information. Number four, it is creative. When it is truly God's word, it is creative. It creates what is spoken. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke them into being. Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and, and there was a lame beggar at the side, and he was asking for alms. And, and, uh, and the one day they came by, they kept going by the same lame beggar. And one day... Uh, uh, Peter gets this word of prophecy, and he says, he says to the lame beggar, he says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and what? And he ra- uh, held out his hand, raised him up, and he walked. Now, you can't, you say, well, that's, you know, yeah, that's what I, it, this isn't positive confession. This isn't positive confession where you just speak positive things, and then positive things happen. Not, not at all. There's a man who, uh, uh, who, I, who I talked to in, in the lobby some, maybe a year ago, maybe more, and it doesn't matter. They're just having this conversation right between the two services, the 9 and 11, and I'd been preaching, and, and I just wanted to make pleasant conversation. I said, how are you doing? And he said, oh, just great, and if I wasn't, I wouldn't tell you. I thought, oh, that, that was a curious response. Hadn't had anybody respond to me like that. And I, I was just curious about it. I said, why do you say that? He said, uh, because if, I, if something was wrong and I said it, then that is what would happen. That would be a negative confession. I said, really, you believe that? He said, absolutely. I live by that. And uh, I said, well, then how do you square that with what Scripture says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, where it says we ought to carry one another's burdens? I said, if I'm supposed to carry your burdens and you can't share them, how can I carry them? Uh, that made him a little frustrated and upset. See, it doesn't, it doesn't actually work that way. Um, a hog farmer cannot talk himself out of a hog industry crisis simply by saying positive things. Amen? Unless the Holy Spirit of God had a specific word for some guy who was prophetic and he spoke it and it changed the industry. Or changed that particular person. But just saying positive things, that's not going to change anything. Jesus often said negative things. It had nothing to do with positive confession. Just because a person, or a person cannot talk a city out of an earthquake or a hurricane simply because they say positive things. You can't become a billionaire just by saying positive things. Uh, that's something completely different. All right, let's look at the, the practical side of this whole thing now as we move into the practical side. Principles for exercising the gifts of prophecy. And the Bible gives us general principles in the use of the uh, gifts of prophecy, two of them. The first one is prophecy is subject to orderliness. Paul said, God is not a God of, what is the word? 
God is not the God of confusion, but of? But all things should be done and in order. Exactly. If the Holy Spirit is truly being followed, the meetings in a church and the use of the gift will be peaceful, fruit of the Spirit. They will be loving and they will be orderly. Amen? The gifts of the Spirit are not inspirational. They're uh, not just inspiration, but the, uh, uh, or their inspiration, not compulsion. Doesn't, so if just because God gives you a word or gives you something doesn't mean you have to act on it right away. You can hold it back. There is no excuse in a church for erratic behavior, you know, swinging from the chandeliers. Amen? Those prophesying are under authority and are accountable for the use of the gift and must follow the rules established by the leaders of the church just like I must. I'm accountable to elders and to staff. I am. And if I am, I just don't think it's fair if you aren't. No, we all are accountable to each other. Amen? That's what Scripture teaches, that we are to submit one to another. Here's principle number two. Prophecy is subject to testing. People exercising the gift of prophecy are not infallible. They will not always get it right. They will not get it right every time. And neither should we expect them to. No, uh, teachers other than me aren't always right. Amen? <laughs> Last night at 5, Chris was sitting in the service and I, I said that and the, they, they, were, they were laughing and all and he yelled, Me! Uh, he, he thought he was the exception. Uh, leaders don't get it right all the time, and neither will those who prophesy. And that's why there has to be accountability. First Corinthians 13 says, we know in what, church? Part, and we? In part. That's why we're instructed to judge or test the prophecies. Paul said, let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. Does it conform or contradict Scripture? Uh, what is the spirit of which it is given? Condemning or grace-filled? Does it bring confusion or clarity? Is it controlling and manipulative or done with humility? So out of these rules, out of these principles now, we want to just establish, like we did last week for the healing gift, uh, a few very basic rules that we're going to live by. From these principles, Paul created several rules. He had four of them that he created. Well, probably more, but that I'm going to show you. That he created for the two principles of testing and orderliness for the church at Corinth. And he showed us how we can make rules for those two principles as well. To keep the thing on its track. Paul said, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. That was one of the rules he gave. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. That was another rule he made. Here's a third one. You, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that you all may learn and be encouraged. That was another rule. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. Those were the rules that he came up with for that church. Because they were all over the map. They were doing strange things. We also have rules that are rooted here at Southland in the principles of orderliness and testing. And based on the three levels that we have, and I'll talk about two levels uh, today. Level one is all believers. And I've already taught over the last few weeks, all believers can work in these gifts at a base level. Amen? Everybody can teach even if you're not a what? Go, go ahead and say it. Teacher, right? Everybody can evangelize even if you're not a? And everybody can prophesy, even if you're not a... See, at that level, we can all do that. And uh, so what are the rules that we're going to have that will keep this church in, you know, on the straight and the narrow, that we won't hurt each other in the use of these powerful gifts? Here's, uh, when, whether you're in cells or talking to each other. And here's, I think, what uh, are some good rules. The first rule is, never say, God told me to tell you. And we talked about that. All right? Rather use something like, if this makes sense to you, use it. If not, delete or ignore it. That's what Grace Fast sends me all the time. All the time, that's what she says. She says, hi, Ray, and then she starts with this, and then she gives me what she thinks she may have got. That's a humble way to do it. Amen? Number two, do not be corrective. It should be comforting and edifying, building up some, uh, some people. Don't go to somebody and say, God told me to tell you, you're wrong you shouldn't have chosen that. You shouldn't have chosen that job. You were wrong in marrying. Don't be corrective. I got enough trouble keeping my own nose clean. Never mind trying to clean somebody else's nose. Amen. 
be accountable for, for myself. And number three, do not be directive. You should marry this one or you should move. God told me to say you should take that job or that kind of stuff. If you're going to give advice or counsel, that's fine. But let them know that it is your human natural counsel. That's all it is. Don't make it sound like it came from God, okay? At that level, we can all operate like that, and we can build each other up like I did with Stefan, right? Right, church? Good. And um, then there's the second level. It's the gift of prophecy. These are people who actually have a more developed gift, and they, they don't even have to try hard. They're constantly getting stuff from God, and, and it's very accurate. They have a gift, and they don't, uh, and such a person will be able to move further in this thing of prophecy, including correcting and directing, because God does sometimes correct and direct through individuals, right? And we've got two rules for that and how we're going to use it here at Southland. And here are the two rules. The first one is, you must take the prophecy courses offered by Grace Fast. And Paul would have had that rule in, uh, in his day if Grace had lived in that day. No, I'm just kidding. Number two, you must remain in the prophetic ministry and be accountable for all, all of your prophecies, particularly the corrective and directive prophecies. And we have people who are in the prophetic ministry right now, and that's exactly how they operate. And, they, and they're godly people, and they're doing amazing work. But there's accountability and structure in this thing. Amen? All right, and then there's level three. Uh, office of prophet. And and we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, so we won't go to that next level. Only those who are submitted to these principles and rules will ever use these gifts on stage. In private, uh, will these rules ever be broken here at Southland? Yes. So if somebody comes to you and they're breaking those kind of rules, then you know it doesn't have a Southland stamp on it. Do you see why we're doing it? it? Only if they're with abiding within those rules... Does it have the Southland stamp? Otherwise, don't complain about somebody who said some quacky thing to you. You say, eh, that's not our problem. That's not from us. All right, let's wrap it up. You've heard how powerful these gifts, gifts are uh, when they're exercising the church. Uh, my marketplace leaders uh, that I meet with on Wednesday mornings, you know that I meet with marketplace leaders, and, and there was 38 of them this last Wednesday, and they represent... 12 different churches now in the community or in the region. And they all are learning how to listen to God and use these gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, that kind of thing. And they, they're all growing in it. One sent me an email like this, and, and I mean, I get words from guys all the time, but this is what one sent me the day before yesterday. And I'm going to quote, The single most significant change that has happened to me since being in that group is listening prayer. I use it a lot in both my business and personal life. Getting direction via listening is very powerful and super helpful. And when I feel it is okay, I use the answers of prayer that I get from listening to witness to others. Isn't that amazing? That's one of our marketplace leaders out there using these gifts. Here's a home example that I want to finish off because it is Mother's Day. Uh, We've got four children, as you know. They're all married. And one of the couples has a daughter, among other children, that at age two was constantly throwing temper tantrums, and she was very aggressive in behavior to other little children. And they tried all kinds of techniques and things, and nothing was working. They were beside themselves. So one day, the the two of them decided they were going to listen in prayer. And God gave him a word of knowledge to begin with. And the word of knowledge was, uh, her love language is quality time. Huh. Then they listened some more and the Holy Spirit said, and here's a word of wisdom. You need to spend time with her alone. And you've got to send some of the others to bed and keep her separate just so you can have some time alone with her. And so they prayed that prayer, they prayed what they had received there was a prophetic part of it and they prayed it over her and then they began to practice and today she's just this she turned into this just sweet charming five year old, just the sweetest thing, 
And if they ever notice it's starting to move in that direction just slightly, they immediately remember the word of knowledge and wisdom that they received. And they go back to that, and everything goes back to normal. See how, how applicable these things are in our everyday lives? You need natural parenting skills to parent, but raising godly kids who will push back the powers of darkness will require supernatural spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. Little wonder... Paul said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. How could you not desire them? These gifts are indispensable. Begin by taking an intro-level training course at the Empower. Let's pray at this point. Father, we just want to thank you so much for what you're teaching us about these wonderful gifts you're giving to us. You are a good God. And we thank you for that. And we praise you for that. And Father, we just ask that you would place that desire and that hunger and that people would go to the empower, that they would grow in these gifts so that they can become agents for pushing back the powers of darkness and building up your body, the church. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.